Let's pray. Lord God, we seek your face. We know that when we encounter you, you will embrace us and you will speak your love to us. And that you won't just um, tell us that you love us, but that you will elicit that love from us for you. You will call us to express that love to other people and to be your hands and feet in this world. And so we, we rejoice in this simple, simple truth that even though we're broken human beings, we're just shattered remnants. Um, we're dust in so many ways. Lord, you, you revive us and you bring us to life and you bring beauty out of the ashes. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Please have a seat. It's good to see you guys. Are you guys happy to be here? Yeah. I'm happy to be here. You know I'm happy to be here? Because I have kombucha. This is my new thing. This is my thing for the week. I don't know. It might be my thing longer, but it makes me kind of excited. So um, just, just, I'm really happy about kombucha. <clears throat> what are you happy about? Anybody happy about the Super Bowl? Anybody happy about the Rose Bowl? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we have the Falcons. Is that right? I don't know. Who is it? I had like 12 people tell me it was the Falcons. They're like, yeah, yeah, it's the Falcons. Okay, so uh, this is the more intelligent service. I get that. So, uh, so the Bengals? Are you serious? Is that still a, the Eagles? Who? I don't even know. Is it basketball or baseball? I don't know. I can't, I can't watch this stuff. I'm too busy. I, I, anybody else feel like they're too busy to like follow football? And then I'll, but you know what? I'll tell you what. Don't not watch the Super Bowl because it could be a bad game. Because the past two Super Bowls have been off the, off the, what is the new slang? I don't know. It's off of something. I, it was off the hook before then. Then it was off the chain, but that, you can't say that anymore. What is it now? Nothing? It's not off of anything. So that's where we're at. We're, this is love. This is a series about um, how broken we are and how God can take even the most like ridiculous human being in the face of the earth and do something good out of that human being. So <laughs> I will be a living example for you of like, there's hope, but you haven't seen it yet, but there will be. I know there, something can happen. Um, so this is love is like this idea that, okay, um, when you're young, you say like, have you fallen in love, you know? And, and, and you, you have like that frame of reference to that. We all know that um, if you're going to make love, okay, that's, that's only like one thing, right? That's it. It can't like have anything to do with like making a vase or a pottery for someone or doing some kind of kind deed for someone. Like our society has taken the word love and just completely like twisted it into some other thing and said, this is what love is. Actually, in a lot of ways, we've commodified love, haven't we? We've like turned it, it like we, uh, come on, we, we're part of this. We've turned it into this thing that you can sell into this experience. And so, so even like if you t hear about Starbucks, it's all about like creating a third place or like some place where people can have like a, a relationship. And so that's how they, they say they made all the money. It's because they were able to create a space for relationship to take place, for conversation. And so we've commodified love. We've turned it into a product. We've taken all these things and we've distorted love into something that it's not really what, what people say it is. Love is, um, love is something that when we look at Jesus Christ, we look at God, we discover that it's, it's broken, it's confusing, it's about turning the world upside down, it's about caring for other people in a way that may feel uncomfortable for us. Um, we've even looked at these, um, one of my favorite scriptures that we looked at is the scripture of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Did you guys like that? Where is the story of Jesus um, in the middle of dinner and he says, I'm, I'm going to wash your feet. And he goes around the room and he gets to Peter. And do you remember what Peter says? What does he say? You will not wash my feet. <laughs> Amen, brother. He just says, you will not wash my feet. Those feet are nasty New Testament feet. You can't touch those things. And then um, Jesus says, I'm, if you don't let me wash your feet, 
then you can have no part of me. And then Peter again says, no, 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 no. He says no three times, and Jesus insists on it. That's like, um, that's like me. I don't know about you, but I feel like sometimes, have you ever had people like be really kind to you and kind of say, no, no, I don't want that. I've had, I've had people say like, um, when, when we've gone through stuff in the past, they'll say, can I put you on the meal train? Have you ever had someone ask you that? Like, can I put you on the, can I bring a meal to your family? And you go, no, 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 it's fine. We can make our own food. And then they say it again. Can, can, will you just please let us do this really nice thing for you? You go, no, that's, that's for other people. I don't really need that. And then finally they win. They say, you have to let us do this. And then you relent. And then that person blesses you in that way. And, um, and you realize, you, you realize that that was what was supposed to happen. And so today we're looking at Peter. Peter was one of those people who was, um, honestly, he felt like he, I think Peter felt like he had his own way. Like it, everything was his way. Um, he was always ready to take leadership in the gospel. Um, and so whenever something was happening, he always felt like he said, you know what, I mean, can you imagine Jesus doing something and saying, you know, Jesus, I think I have a better way to do this than you, right? <laughs> he's like, he's, he, maybe he was like the, uh, the, the marketer, the Steve Jobs for Jesus. You know, he's like, I feel like I can make whatever you're doing a little better, Jesus. Um, right? So Jesus goes up a mountain with, uh, with his disciples, a couple of his disciples uh, on one occasion, and Jesus is up there, and there's this vision of Moses and Elijah, two long dead dudes, um, hanging out with Jesus, and they're praying together, talking about everything. And then, <clears throat> what does Peter say? He's like, Jesus, I can make this better. I can build a house for you guys here at the top of the mountain. You guys just hang out and I can make, I don't know, like coffee for you guys. I've, I don't know. Wash your feet since you're into that thing. I don't know. So, so Jesus says no and Peter insists three times. And it took uh, three times for Jesus to say, no, this isn't going to happen. I feel like that's us in our life. We need, to, we need like the three-time adjustment in our life. We, we need to like have that depth of conversation with Jesus where we allow Jesus to speak into our life two or three times. That's why I feel like, you know, I need to come to worship every single Sunday. That's why I need to come to three services every Sunday. That's, that's why I'm in three services. I know you guys only need one, but I am a, definitely a Peter. It's like God is like, this kid needs to, needs to hear it three times every, every single Sunday. So today we're looking at this instance that happens after Jesus has been crucified. Oh, wait a second. Do you remember what Peter says that kind of leads to Jesus' crucifixion on the night when people say, do you know who Jesus is? Aren't you one of his disciples? Peter says, what? No, I don't know that guy. How many times does he say that? Oh man, this is going to be hard for Peter. So then Jesus is crucified, comes back to life. He appears to the disciples. He extends his forgiveness to them. But Peter, Peter, the one who's always like, Lord, I'll walk across water for you. Just tell me. And Jesus calls him across the water. He walks on water. He's that guy. That's him, the one that's most passionate for Jesus. He's the one that's most alive for Jesus. He's like, don't wash my feet because I'm good. Jesus has to tell him ahead of time, no, you're not good. Got a lot of work to do, Peter. And so after the crucifixion, Jesus, Jesus appears again to the disciples. And one of the disciples is Peter. And he is broken because he knows what he's done. He knows the way that he's turned his back on Jesus. And he's walking with that weight. And so this is what happens. Jesus uh, appears to the disciples. <coughs> Let me rewind. The disciples go out to Galilee. 
After the crucifixion, they go out to Galilee, which is like the big ocean fishing area. So they go out to Galilee. They're hanging out on the shore and just hanging, waiting for Jesus because Jesus had told them, go on ahead to Galilee and I will come and meet you there. So they're hanging out. And Peter says these words. You, you, you sense this struggling human being. Peter says, I'm going fishing, right? He's just like not going to hang around anymore. I'm going fishing. I'm getting out of here. And so Peter just gets up, walks away. And the other disciple says, we're going with you. Now, I want you to know that's such an important key image of the early church, the, the followers of Jesus. They weren't going to let, let Peter, who's depressed, to go off fishing all by himself. They were going to spend time with him. They were going into that boat with him. And so they go fish all night long. And no, they don't play go fish all night long. They go fishing all night long. And they catch nothing. Which some people would say is a miracle, and that makes me the person who's experienced the most miracles on the face of the earth because I've fished hundreds of times and not caught anything. <laughs> like, God's trying to say something. Help me out with this. So, so we, have, we have Peter who's going out fishing with all the disciples. They fish all night long. They're professional fishermen. So granted, it is a little bit more shocking to them. And, um, and then a stranger appears on the shore. Like, a, you know, fellow fisherman. Have you ever had a fisherman yell? For, if you've been fishing, one of the most insulting things from the shore is for some fisherman to go, hey, you get, you ever, have you caught anything yet? You know? <laughs> no, we've only been here all night long. And then uh, Jesus yells from the shore. It, the stranger is Jesus. Jesus yells from the shore. They don't know it, that it's Jesus. He says, throw your nets to the other side of the boat. So they lift up their nets. It's not an easy job. They lift them up, throw them to the other side of the boat, which seems crazy, but... Maybe this guy's caught something, and then they catch more fish than they've ever caught, 153 fish. Their nets are so full. And that minute, Peter realizes that it's not a stranger, but it's Jesus. And he jumps out of the boat, and he swims, just ditching all of his friends in the boat that are like surrounded by fish, trying to like pull in all these fish. And he swims to the shore, and he embraces Jesus because he loves Jesus so much. And then Jesus is like, hey, buddy, maybe you should help those guys with those fish that they're getting, pulling in. So G Peter goes and helps them pull in all the fish. And Jesus welcomes them to a campfire. I just think the image is so cool to sit around the campfire with Jesus. And it turns out that Jesus had caught something because he's that cool. He's like, you know, I've, I've already got fish on the fire. You can throw your fish on next to mine. And I, I bet Jesus had a pretty good fish recipe, don't you think? Like, was it fish tacos, like New Testament fish tacos? Way better? little pico de gallo. Like, <laughs> and so he had been cooking for his disciples and he'd made bread too because there was bread in this story. And it says that Jesus took the bread and, and he took the fish and he distributed it to his disciples. And we're so thankful that is not what he commanded us to do regularly in, in remembrance of him. Because think about it, communion could have been fish and bread. It would have been stinky, really stinky communion. So we're thankful that that's not what Jesus planned for us. So Jesus uh, broke the fish, he broke the bread, and he distributed it to his disciples, and they ate. They had breakfast. Um, and then, uh, then something happens. Jesus, in front of all the disciples, everybody's nice and comfortable, um, Jesus decides to like, have like a face-to-face, heart-to-heart conversation with Peter. <coughs> By the way, like kind of uncomfortably. This is, what, this is what happens. It says, when they finished eating, Jesus asked Simon Peter. No, it'll say Simon or Peter. That's the same guy. Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, the question is, what is Jesus saying more than these? Is he saying, do you love me more than your fellow disciples? Is he saying, do you love me more than the fish 
that you've been chasing after in your life? What is it that, that Jesus is asking him, do you love me more than these? And so then this is how, how uh, Peter responds. He says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Okay, so when I was first dating my wife, I uh, remember there was a moment where I was, you know, there's this point where you don't say, I love you. You're just dating, you know? And, and it's like this, like, big moment when you cross that, like, threshold of, like, the I love you statement. So I, I was, we were just hanging out one time, and I said, hey, um, Danny. She said, yeah. And I said, do you love me? <laughs> and she said, that is, she said, Yes. But later on, she told me, that is not fair. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't just like ask the other person, do you love me? You're supposed to like say it when you feel it. Anyway, so um, <laughs> that's what Jesus is saying to Peter. He's like, do you love me? And um, Peter is, says, Lord, and it's interesting. He doesn't say, I love you. He says, you know I love you. I mean, he's feeling a little hurt. He's feeling a little caught off guard. Like, like, come on, God, God, you know that I love you. You know this. How could you not know it? I'm the guy that, that does everything. I ju- I'm the one who jumped out of the boat. Remember? I'm the one who tried to walk on water to you. I was so excited to see you. I'm the one that when, when you were being arrested, I pulled out a sword and cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest because I was just so passionate for you. And Jesus, Jesus again, asks him, he says these words to him, well, if you love me, then feed my lambs. And then this is in front of all the disciples. Jesus asked a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Simon replied, replied yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said to him, well, then take care of my sheep. And he asked a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And at this point, Peter is sad that Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He replied, Lord, you know everything. You know, you know I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. I assure you that when you were younger, you tied your own belt and walked around wherever you wanted. When you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and another will tie your belt and lead you where you do not want to go. And here's a parenthetical note from the scripture. It says, he said this to show the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And after saying this, Jesus said to Peter, wait, follow me. Jesus said, follow me to Peter. It's the same words that Jesus said when he first encountered Peter, when Peter was fishing on the shore of Galilee. Jesus said, follow me. You know, all the time that had passed since then, this is a time when, when it seems as though Peter, maybe he'd given up a little bit. I mean, at the beginning of this scripture, you have this story of Peter that says, I'm going fishing. He's not leading anybody. Peter is self-focused, he's inward-focused, and he's hurt. And at the end of it, Jesus says, when you grow up, Peter, you start to have responsibilities. You start to have things that, that are uncomfortable for you, but they are a part of your calling. And they're part of what I'm calling you to do. And so you can't let people down because people are depending on you and I'm depending on you to do this hard work of following me. You know, I, I, we've had some people ask, even after this last service, um, why did Jesus ask Peter three times? 
because Peter needed to hear it three times. Peter needed to not just hear it three times, but he also needed to say it three times. Because three times Peter had denied Jesus, and now Jesus knew, he loved Peter so much that he knew in order for Peter to feel free, Peter needed to say, I love you, just as many times as he had turned his back on Jesus. There's so much love in this passage. And it doesn't feel like a loving passage initially. I mean, sitting around the campfire with all your buddies and then Jesus has that heart-to-heart kind of intervention with all of the other disciples there. But Jesus was also saying, Peter, I'm going to bring you back into leadership. I'm going to bring you back into the calling that I, that I initially called you to, to make your life about being a fisher of men. And all the disciples needed to hear Jesus reinstating Peter into his call. There was a depth of love. There's a beauty to Jesus' plan. But as we look at this, this passage, we can only be reminded that Jesus wants to meet us in that same place where he first met us, just like he did with Peter. On the Sea of Galilee, where was it for you? Did, was the time when you had your faith activated the most, was it in the movie theater downtown when we had worship there back in, back in the day at Highlands Church? Or was it here in this worship space? Or was it over there at the cross? Or was it at a memorial service? Or was it at a youth camp or Hume Lake like these junior hires are going to? What was that point when you felt the most alive for Jesus? And you felt like Jesus was saying to you, hey, follow me. And you said, oh, I'll do that immediately. No problem. Nothing is going to get in the way of that. You can't forget that, like, Peter was young. Peter was really, really young. He was like, he was like late teens, maybe early 20s. He was a young guy. And so you have the, all that spontaneity that you would imagine, all of that, that, that vigor, all of that willingness to kind of rise up and conquer. But also Jesus is saying, you know what? I, I'm not calling you to go out rogue. You know, some of the conviction of this message might say, hey, you know what? I need to go and save the world. But that's not actually what Jesus is saying. He's actually saying, I want you to kind of ratchet it back a little bit. And I want you to be part of a long game. I don't want you to go and save the world. I want you to feed people. I want you to support people, nurture people around you and be, be aware that that's the plan by which the world will be saved is that you're going to love the people that you're with and you're going to care for them and you're going to make sure that they, they have the things that God wants them to have through you. Now, one of the things that uh, is amazing is that Peter did end up writing letters to the disciples and letters to the churches. And we have that in First Peter, Second Peter. And one of the great things is that Peter always liked to use the language of like tending sheep or, she- or shepherding. He would always say, hey, you know what? Make sure that, th- that you care for the flock. Make sure that you care for the sheep. But he always referred to Jesus as the chief shepherd. He always wanted to make sure that as you were, as you were focused on your call, whatever it was, that you were clear that if you want to know how to do what you're doing, you need to look toward Jesus and you will get your clues and your tips from him. That's how you're going to get your guidance. Now, the church was always struggling, like, what is our call? Like, um, are we all called to be preachers? Which Peter was definitely a preacher. After Jesus reinstated him to his ministry, there was a Pentecostal beautiful day in Jerusalem when Peter looked out across a sea of thousands of people. 
And he just started preaching about who Jesus was and the beauty of who Jesus is. And that day they say that 3,000 people were baptized. Can you imagine baptizing that many people? How much that would hurt your arms? Like just lifting them in and out of the water? That is, that is what Peter was called to. That's not necessarily what you may be called to. But the question is, I feel like Jesus is calling us all a little bit deeper. We've been walking along the path with Jesus for maybe three years, like Peter was in our ministry. But now Jesus is saying, how can I call you deeper into this ministry? How can I make it from being a, I will follow you, I love you relationship. You know, I love you, Jesus. You know, I love you, Jesus. You know, I love you, Jesus. To a relationship where you hear Jesus saying, if you love me, then it's going to look a little bit different than the kind of love that the world has shown you and kind of taken that definition of love and moved it over to something else. See, if you love me, then you will care for my sheep. You will love these people. You will visit the sick. You will visit the prisoners. You will go on mission trips. You will do things that are uncharacteristic of you. And you will do it out of a sense of, of love for Jesus. So your love for Jesus translates into action. And Jesus wants, wants Peter to know that, but he also wants all the disciples to know that. If you love me, don't just say, I love you. That's not all that Jesus is calling us into. Oh, Jesus wants to hear you say, I love you. That's for sure. And he'll even be so crazy as to say, do you love me? Which breaks the rules. But Jesus also says, if you love me, then do the works that I do. Do what I do and care for people. So I, my prayer today is that you would be starting to think, and I know this is a wrestling match. That's, what, that's, what it, that's, what Jesus, that's how you know you're in a relationship with God when you're wrestling with God. That's good. Doubt, good. Have those conversations. But the question is, what is your call? What is your call as part of this, this mission that Jesus is doing? And I love the way Jesus, he says, you know, Peter, when you get older, you're going to go places you don't want to go, right? And he was referring to uh, Peter's death, but also I think he was referring to the reality that when we, when we step into responsibility, that we, our life is not always just what we want. That it becomes a relationship where, where other people are depending on us. Just like those people in Jerusalem, Jesus knew those people in Jerusalem would need Peter to step up and not just be the guy who says, I'm going fishing. But instead to see a reliable, faithful servant of Jesus Christ where, yeah, it's okay to go fishing sometimes, but you need to recognize our leadership, recognize our duty and our responsibility to care for those who are in need and to be hand, Jesus' hands and feet to them. And this is a good message. This should make you excited because if we look at the story of the Bible, we recognize that Peter was still broken. He was still messed up. He never got perfect. I remember uh, talking to a one of the elders. Tonight, we're going we're gonna to receive or actually elect the new leaders for the church. It's a very exciting moment for a church. It's cool. 
Um, and as I was talking to one of those uh, elder, future elder elects this last week, it was really cool because uh, we were just chatting and, and recognizing that, have you ever noticed that like, you, like by the time you're 65, you finally figure out how to do your job? You notice that? Like, and that's the day you retire, right? So God's plan on this earth is not to like have everything done perfect. Otherwise, he'd have us all live to 500 years and just like have a select group of people running everything. Instead, your job is to like, like learn how to do what you're doing and then give it to a complete idiot that doesn't know anything, right? That's not funny. Okay. <coughs> that doesn't mean you're an idiot if you're under 65. I'm mean, come on, I'm not insulting you. I'm just saying, it's like, why is this the plan that God has? But that means that God's plan is not for perfection. It's not for perfection. It's so that we would be perfected. Does you see the difference there? See, God wants to work on you. And it doesn't mean that you have to be perfect tomorrow or today or that you beat yourself up. But what God really wants you to hear is those tough words of love that say, hey, you know what? I'm going to challenge you. I'm not going to let you sit in this place of, you know, of ambivalence on the shores of Galilee in your life. I've called you away from this. And there's a mission in front of you. And so we're all going to need to hear these words, not just today, not tomorrow, um, but for the long run. And we've all been beat up. I mean, we are all in that Peter situation. And so we do need to hear Jesus' love and also get that response to say, Lord, I love you. Because as we do it, each time we do it, we're freed from that, that, that nonsense of guilt and weight of shame that, that is not from God. And we, are, we come into more of a realization of the grace that Jesus wants to just lavish upon us. He wants to welcome us back into community and not have us feel like an island off to ourselves. So let's stand. Let's stand. And um, use this time. A little different prayer. You guys ready for this? A little kombucha-inspired prayer. Sorry. Mm-hmm. We can laugh. It's okay. Um, but let's pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, um, we reflect on those ways in which we've turned our back on you. Each one of us uh, can conjure up in our mind uh, some instance in which, uh, which we've abandoned you. And, uh, and if we're honest, we do walk around with that guilt, and it does separate us from your community and your love. And we know that's not what you want. You want us to be restored fully, total recognition of what we've done, but also freedom in the truth of who you are, that you come to us and you, you embrace us and you, you elicit from us a response. And so, um, Lord, we direct these words at you um, as a congregation. Um, we hear you ask these words, um, and I, I would... I would Welcome anybody who would like to say, I love you, but you ask us these words, do you love me? And as a congregation, we respond, I love you. And we hear your words again saying, do you love me? And as a congregation, let us all say these words together, I love you. And we think about those things that we've done that that have broken us, our relationships from our our family, our friends, our loved ones, Lord. And um, we hear you saying these words, do you love me? And as a congregation, we all say the words, I love you. And um, it seems like we don't hear it enough. We don't say it enough, Lord. And and, uh, we need it to sink deep into our hearts. Um, Lord, you know the depths of our brokenness, the depths of our shame, the depths of our hurt. And um, 
And as a congregation, we hear your voice saying, do you love me? And we respond, I love you. But that's not enough, Lord. We know that you call us to feed your sheep. We call us to, you call us to live and embrace with not just those around us, but also the wider community that, that, was, that has been following you, that has fallen away, to reach out to those people and to welcome them in and to know that they have no shame, no shame in this community and no brokenness that is too great and no, no thing that will ever separate them from your love. And um, Lord, it is through that beauty and grace and restoration that we can truly run across the hills and proclaim the good news that, that that every single person is welcomed into this family and joy and that there's nothing that they've done. If they've walked three years and walked away, Lord, we welcome them back and let them know that, that you, you want us to be a part of what you are doing in this world so that we can experience that fulfillment and joy. And so God, uh, work on our hearts. Help us to, to know that it's not about perfection, but it's about being perfected one day at a time. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, amen. amen.